0: Salvation belongs to the Lord. Good morning. We get to meditate upon that incredible truth this morning. Uh, If you're new with us, we've been walking through the the first three Psalms. Uh, As we looked in the last two weeks, Psalm 1 and 2 really frame the 150 books, the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalm 1 and 2 begins with a blessing, blessed is the man who delights in the law of God. Psalm 2 ends with blessed is the man who takes refuge in God's king. Uh, The Psalms have a unique role in how God leads us to know him. Uh, He he speaks his law so that we know who he is and what he expects of us. It's a, a word he gives authoritatively that we receive and trust and believe and obey and then He gives us the psalms to know how to speak back, how to go back up to Him. And there's a variety of different kinds of psalms. There's psalms who lead us to confess sin, to to cry out in trouble, to praise Him, to ascend up to His holy hill. The the last five psalms inappropriately with halels, the the praise of God, the praise of Yahweh. One of the things we see throughout Scripture, and especially here in the psalms, there's They help us in all different kinds of trouble. If you just think the first three psalms, well, Psalm 1, it's my internal problem. I need to delight in the law of God and not in sin with others. Psalm 2 was God's problem of evil. The nations are raging. How will God solve that problem? Psalm 3 the first psalm and the, the, the four books, the, the, the two intro psalms, and the, the first psalm we come to, well, it's my external problems. Foes pressing in on me. Psalms are a way for God to guide us through our trouble, through our difficulty, to crowd to Him. This morning, we're going to see a model prayer for living in this fallen world. The simple message is cry out to the Lord who saves. Cry out to the Lord who saves. There's four stanzas. There's four points. Surrounded, shielded, sustained, saved. Surrounded, shield, shielded, sustained. Save. There's there's four truths we're going to take away. The Lord knows our trouble, He protects us in our trouble, He sustains us in our trouble, He saves us from our trouble. I want you to see how the, the first few words of each stanza begin. Oh Lord, and that's where He makes his case before the Lord as to what's happening. Then notice, but you, O Lord, he cries out to him personally. Then it's, I lay down. What are the consequences of how he's called out to the Lord? And then finally he makes his request, arise, O Lord, and save me. As we walk through the psalm, let's first look at surrounded. Uh, this is a psalm of David. He is Speaking to Yahweh, that that is the the word that continues to control the entire psalm. It's, O Lord, O O Yahweh, but you, O Yahweh, uh, Yahweh sustains and and arise, Yahweh. But the, the focus of that first is declaring all the problems. How many are my foes, my adversaries, my enemies? They're 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 rising, but they're they're numerous and they're they're attacking. And notice they're, what they're saying. They're, there's no salvation for him in God. They're they're not saying God isn't able. They're saying God isn't willing. God doesn't want to. You you are cursed. You're despised. Now it's the first psalm with a subscript. It tells us this is David at the time of Absalom and the conspiracy, and David is fleeing from his own son Absalom. It's helpful to understand the historical context and who David is and what we know of him. From 1 Samuel, we know David was constantly fleeing from Saul while David was not the king, but he has already been told he would be king. He's, he's fleeing regularly from Saul, who was the king. David fights Goliath. He, he overcomes a giant with Yahweh's help. Well, we fast forward and we see the, the high point of the kingdom. We see uh, the promise God makes to David explicitly in 2 Samuel 7. We saw this last week a little bit. God looks around and says, God, you've given me such a great kingdom. I have this great palace. Can I build you a house? And God says, no. But I'll build you a dynasty. One of your children will serve as king forever. We, we, we fast forward to two chapters and we see David showing... Mephibosheth, a a grandchild of Saul, his enemy, loving kindness. We we see a, a king after God's own heart, exercising the kind of rule that God has set David for. But then 2 Samuel 11, at the time when kings go to war, David stayed home, and he took a woman who was married to another man, Bathsheba. He commits adultery. Murder, deception. Pretty sure he, he, he breaks almost all the Ten Commandments. The law he's been given from God to exercise for God's people, he, he's breaking it. What a tragic, sad unwinding of a kingdom. And, and then we see what happens next. David has many children. This, this, this captures David in a, as an older man. Amnon, one of David's sons covets Tamar, one of David's daughters. He ends up raping her and then despising her. Amnon and Tamar, both David's children, they don't share a mother, but Absalom is David's son, who's Tamar's full sibling. Absalom is unsatisfied with David's rule and the way he handles this particular problem. So he plots a conspiracy, and we see this conspiracy played out in 2 Samuel 15-18. Absalom continues to call people to question David as a good ruler, as a right ruler, as a righteous ruler. And so it records he he had many who followed him, and he captured the people's hearts. Well, now Absalom has captured people's hearts. His own uh, work against his father, David, has to flee the city out of fear. And it's the most vulnerable situation. It's his own son, who's attacking him. The the many foes are led by his own flesh and blood. They're rising against him. And much of this is the consequence of David's own failing. But we see here, Absalom is in no way the right. Focus in on verse 2 because what the foes are doing, they're they're many, they're rising, but I I think the, the end there is the height of the problem. It's what they're saying. David, there's no salvation for you in God. He flees. And, and what they're declaring, it's, it's not that God is able, it's you're cursed. You, you, you're out of the kingdom. You're, you're off the throne. You're out of the wilderness. You're fleeing. Well, the most devastating attack. The Lord is no longer for you. He's against you. There's no help. There's no hope. There's no salvation for you, David. You have been despised by God. It's pretty easy to see how someone might get here. It's pretty easy to see how David would actually believe this. This is very much like Job's friends. Let's interpret God based upon your circumstances. Let's look at your current situation and let's just read back into whatever is happening to you and assume what God must think of you. That's what we do. When we receive earthly blessings, we must walk around a little, a little kick in our step and think, wow, God must be really happy with me." When things go bad, we must think, wow, what have I done to displease God? Why, what, 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 have, what have I done to, to deserve this curse? This, this is helpful for those who are prone to just beat yourself up, to, to think there must be something wrong, and things are going wrong. Look, there's always lots of ammunition available to, to, to think about what's wrong and how I'm not blessed and how God must be upset. This is why we, we need to understand from David, he, he's crying out to the Lord in the midst of this. It, it's so powerful, those first, the first word. Yahweh. They say, you won't save me. What, what a powerful declaration There are other Psalms that cry out with absolute grief and and fear and and there's a real complaint, how long, oh Lord, will you forgive me? But not here. He's an older man. He's conquered giants. He silt and found forgiveness. Lord, this is what they're doing. This is what they're saying. And already we see a man who doesn't believe that. Because the the God they're saying who cannot save him, he himself is crying out to. There's reality. Everybody prays when we're in trouble. But this is the kind of prayer you want to be ready for when you're in trouble? This is a prayer that's been seasoned by the grace of God in faithfulness and finding forgiveness? That this is a model prayer for us to, to want to achieve so that when someone or we might feel like there is no salvation for us, no, we, we know we are going to cry out to the God who is our salvation. So he's surrounded. He's crying out to the Lord in the midst of that surrounding, in the midst of them saying there is no salvation. And notice and now the, the second turn. He's, he's shielded. The, the Lord protects him. He now speaks to them much more personally. You, Yahweh. You, O Lord. He knows God. Again, he's an older man who's learned how to walk with God, and he's learned how he's failed God, and he knows God is always faithful. You is emphatic. and, And notice there's three things he says about God. You are a shield about me. You are my glory, You are the lifter of my head. Three things to really help us contemplate God. He's a shield. There's a a protection. In in the armies of this day, they would have shields and they would kind of create a a, a turtle shell kind of contraption so that arrows wouldn't penetrate. the, The shield is an absolute protection. God is strong and reliable. He's He's helping him in the middle of the wilderness. Secondly, my glory. Now, that's an unusual way in which we would use the word glory. The word glory carries with it the idea of weight, and we we usually apply this word to God, who alone is truly glorious. It could be that David is contemplating, I've lost the glory. I've, I've, I've been removed from the throne. I'm out in the wilderness. There is no weight to me anymore. But you, Lord, are still with me. Or this could be a reference back to the Exodus where the Shekinah glory followed Israel. The glory of God swept around Israel as Pharaoh and his his troops are coming one last time because Israel is trapped in the Red Sea. The picture there of God and His glory being able to surround His people and protecting from a great adversary. Third, the lifter of my head well this is almost universal in defeat where does your head go when you're discouraged down your you you your head drops the lord he lifts your head the the lord who has promised goodness the the lord who extends his mighty right arm in protecting and saving he he encourages. We realize that the root of encouragement is he instills courage. In the midst of what feels like defeat, in the midst of being surrounded with what absolutely looks like defeat, he lifts the head. Important. Life is full of trouble, challenges, discouragement. What is your source of courage and joy? What, 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 what helps you find comfort it's true. One of the most difficult problems we have isn't the, 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 the foes out there. It's, it is what they're saying, and there's always someone who's, who's willing to discourage you or, or throw you off track. But I, I believe it's, it's our own internal record that we usually are wrestling with the most. It, it, it's will we believe the lie of verse 2? Is it we'll, we'll take that and put that on our record player instead of what God has said? Notice verse 3, but you, O oh Lord. But you, O oh Lord. We have to know where the buts are in Scripture. We saw the significant one in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk with sinners and not sit with scoffers, but delights in God's law. Even more significant, you were dead in your trespasses, but God made you alive. You were distant in sin and shame, but God drew you near by the precious blood of his Christ, who is our peace. You were frolicking in your foolishness, but God in wisdom provides light and truth. You were twisted in your own deception, but God heals and makes whole The the, the truth of who God is and what he has done and what he has promised, it gives us buoyancy. It it, it helps you rise up out of whatever trouble or problem or difficulty that you're facing. This isn't a look inside and and, and, and tighten your bootstraps. This is look up and know that God who has promised himself to you is with you and he's for you. It helps you rise above the difficulty and the trouble. But you, O Lord, you've protected me. You have been my glory. You're the lifter of my head. How quickly we get dragged in despair. But you, O Lord. How how quickly the the intensity of a pain or a problem comes comes and overwhelms us. But you, O Lord. What a glorious instruction. Christian, lift up your head. This is what the author of Hebrews tells us. There's no drooping in the kingdom. We're not citizens of of Sinai and fear and trembling. No, we're citizens of Zion. But there's great rejoicing because we know God has saved us. We get to enter boldly into the presence of God with a head lifted high, with a conscience that's been cleaned. By the precious blood of Christ. Church, we we need help from one another to be encouraged at times. All the time. There's a way in which we're supposed to be welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us. We're supposed to be building each other up. We're supposed to be encouraging one another. Homes and churches are God's designed self-spaces. Because it's there where you go and you know who loves you and you know you're welcome and you know you're going to be cared for and, and your head will be lifted up. You'll, you'll receive a word that gives you buoyancy and, and courage and strength. We, we, I, I, I'm always somewhat upset when people mock our culture that talks about safe spaces. No, the, the problem is that the best safe space they can find is trying to find somebody who won't say something. No, we're supposed to be a safe space to confess sin and hear you're forgiven. We're, we're supposed to be a, a safe space where we can come and, and talk about our difficulties and our trials and hear, oh, but here are the promises of God who help you come up out of those problems. It doesn't remove the problems, but it helps us see those problems in light of God. Christian, are, are, are we making our home? Are we making our church A place where we know we can come and cry out to God together. Notice verse 4. The Lord who protects, David declares, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. Psalm 2, the introductory psalm, the one that sets this psalm up. The holy hill is where Yahweh establishes his king. It's where he exercises his righteous rule with all power. What what a beautiful picture here where God rules in all power, where God is, is exercising his complete sovereignty. We get to cry out and he hears us from on high. And he answers. Now, it's very important that we understand he is assured in the midst of Everyone's saying he has no salvation. He's calling to God. He knows he's cried out to God. He knows the Lord has answered him, but he still has all of his enemies pursuing him at this point. But he's sure the Lord has answered him. God answers us, not always by removing the problem. Here, David, with assurance, tells us the Lord has answered him, but the problem is still there. I believe this is helpful in the way that James 1 is helpful. When when you face various trials, count it joy that's so counterintuitive and pray. Pray for wisdom. My my first inclination when I'm in trouble is to say, God, get rid of that trouble. Here, the, the prayer is, Lord, give me your peace. Give me your shield. Lift up my head. Give me your wisdom. The third stanza, the third point sustained. Sustained. The Lord, who's a shield, his glory, the lifter of his head, he now turns and it's a change. I I laid down and slept, I woke again. Now, what a picture! He's not in his comfy bed with his royal sheets, in his palace with his guards. He's in the wilderness. He's got some friends with him, but here it's, he's out of his comfort, he's out of his safety. And he says, I, I slept, and I woke again, for the Lord sustained me, verse 5. Just make sure we're following his 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 his, his process here, and, and how we're supposed to be uh, seeing this as a model prayer. Lord, I got a problem. Lord, you are my protection, and Lord, I I slept because you sustained me. Oh, the 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 nights of restlessness and worry. How how, how losing sleep. Because of whatever problem it is that we don't have any control over. We can't shut our minds off. And the more we, we try to say, I need to get some sleep, the more it ramps up, the more, the more overwhelmed. Look to Psalm 2. Remember, when the nations are raging, God's sitting. That, 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 that is the foundation for how you can sleep in the midst of trouble. When when you know the almighty God who is in no way threatened, he's not pacing, he's not worried, he laughs. There's there's no threat. The the, the Lord sitting, knowing his victory is sure, is what produces and helps us know we can sleep and rest in him. He sees his problem fully. There's thousands against him, verse 6. But I will not be afraid of those thousands, even though they are rising against me all around. He is surrounded. His problem has not been fixed, but he has. The Lord is sustaining him. Believer, there's so much to worry about. Everybody in here walks in with something we're worried about. Some of them more pressing and more difficult than others. We, we must know the powerful arm of God that protects us. We we must trust his bent ear that hears us. We must know his kind hand that lifts up our head. If you're wrestling with how do I trust God in a difficulty, first place I want to point you is, is the cross. That's the starting point. Your enemies are so much worse than you're feeling right now. Your own internal sin that fights against you. Satan, the accuser, and God himself, who is the perfect judge. We see how on the cross, God protects us. He saves us from the sin we commit. He he shuts up Satan so that Satan's reporting real sins we've committed, but they're they are false accusations now because Christ has paid the penalty. Christ died so that we are no longer under condemnation, but in Christ we have all the blessing of salvation. When we doubt, when we wrestle with the goodness of God, when we wrestle with a circumstance, Christian, go to the cross where you see God is good. He keeps his promises. He's able to help. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Another way to think about this, protection. I like to think of Romans 8, 29, and 30 in this way. Paul tells us that the God who foreknew you, predestined you, called you, justified you, and glorified you, he, 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 it's the same God, and, and what he began, he'll complete. And we, we call this the golden chain. God doesn't stop what he begins. But I, I actually prefer the picture of a Fortress. You've got four walls. just uh, foreknown, predestined, called, justified. Those, those are your four walls. The, the 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 roof, the ceiling, that's that's glorified. You are you're perfectly protected there in that fortress. You sleep so well in that fortress. The God who has fully committed all of himself not withholding His own Son. The God who has committed fully Himself from the beginning to the end. He foreknew you and He will glorify you. He's justified you. He has provided everything we need to know He's true to His promise. He's with us. He is for us. That fortress of all that God has done for us. It protects us so that we can sleep So that we can lie down, so that we can rest, even more so, so that we're not paralyzed in fear. Christian, are are we growing to know God and his salvation? If you want to be able to pray this kind of prayer, it's knowing God and his great salvation more and more. Again, David is an older, mature man who has experienced great Faithfulness from God, great victories because of God, and great failure in itself, and found God to be faithful to forgive him. If you're not a believer this morning, this is a prayer of faith. The first faith you need, though, is faith in Jesus who died on the cross. You, you need a salvation, and it's a salvation from your own sin. You cannot save yourself from your own sin. You cannot remove your sin. You cannot wash away your sin. You cannot do enough to outweigh your sin. The only solution for your sin belongs to the Lord, who sent His Son to become like us in every way without sin, so that when He dies on the cross, He takes our sin from us, and He accounts it to Jesus, who died on the cross to take our sin punishment away. So the wrath of God is satisfied. The only salvation you need, the most important salvation you need is salvation from your sin that you'll have to take into the presence of God one day unless you believe in Jesus and trust Him to take it away from you. You do so by faith. By realizing your sin is dangerous and deadly and you can't do anything to fix it. So you cry out to Jesus, save me. The last section saved, or salvation here. Notice the first three points are really a retelling of what's happened, and now it's a command. He's calling for God, he's, he's imploring, he's requesting, Arise, O Lord. Save me, my God. Notice how those key words are already in verses 1 and 2. My enemies are rising against me. They say, you will not save me. Rise, O Lord, and save me, my God. He's not believing it. He knows the Lord. He's able to sleep because he knows this Lord. He's able to call out to God, save me, help me. The God who sustained him, he now turns and asks for salvation. And that salvation is pretty vivid and clear. For you strike all my enemies in the cheek and you break the teeth of the wicked. David is not shy about asking for God's justice. Now, We want to be careful with how we're going to pray this prayer and what we're going to do with it, but Christian, we, we, we have to want justice. We just have to realize we deserve justice. We, 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 we do want God to destroy enemies who are destroying other people. We, we do think there's a right way in which we're going to call for God to exercise his power to bring about justice. Here, clear enemies who are against God, his king, his people, who have led a division and a disruption in the kingdom of God, he calls for their teeth to be destroyed. He calls for an absolute crushing. As we think about this prayer, I, I, I want you to, to wrestle with the question of how do you get to the point where you can pray with this kind of confidence? I, I, I want to hold this up for you, believer, as a prayer to grow towards. Where where in the midst of major surrounding problems, you you cry to the Lord. You know him as your shield, your glory, the lifter of your head. You're able to sleep. You're able to cry out and know what to ask for justice. How do you get here? How do you get to this kind of trust and peace? It's, It's helpful to know what's going on in the background of Absalom and David, but The most important background of Psalm 3 is Psalm 1 and 2. I've already told you the two ways to know the blessing of God and be blessed by God. To delight in God's word. To take refuge in his king. If you want to know how to get closer to God and knowing how to pray this kind of prayer of faith that that gives you a a strength and a rest in the Lord in the middle of trouble, it's delight in the Lord. Delight in the law. Those two introductory foundational psalms are are, are giving us what we need in order to make sure we know how to pray all the psalms. Psalm 1 is important. You must be grounded in God's word. When trials come and you're like the chaff, you're going to get blown away. You're going to be tossed, knocked over, maybe destroyed. But if you're rooted in the word of God, if you're rooted in knowing him and his promises and his faithfulness, you stand strong and you sleep well knowing he is your fortress. Psalm 2: there, there is no king or nation that threatens God, and therefore there's no king or nation that threatens his church or his believers. As, as we think about that fortress, Romans 8 has two significant things tied to it in the beginning. In that fortress, you know, He works all things together for the good of those who love Him. Are we growing up in a way that we know Him who loved us first, so that we're confident more and more that whatever the trouble is, it's, it's under God's hand? He, he, he's got everything under control. He, he's even able to work things out for my good somehow. As we know the king who has all strength, we, we know that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ in that fortress. Believer, I, I want this prayer for you. I want you to want this prayer for you. But it, 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 it comes from a life that's committed to Christ, to cry out to the Lord, to speak to Yahweh, the reality is everybody cries out to God when we're in trouble. But it's this kind of prayer that comes from somebody who's rooted and grounded in God who knows Yahweh, who knows him from his word, who knows him with reverence, who knows that he's failed and come before God and confessing sin and has been forgiven. This kind of prayer is not made by someone who's haphazard, occasional, or unfaithful in their worship. Somebody who seeks to be rooted and grounded, because God has been good. The last verse functions as a, as a grand benediction to the Lord, a, 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 a grand praise. Salvation belongs to you, O Lord. Again, the the last dec- declaration in the first stanza: there is no salvation for you, but oh, the Praise God that his enemies don't have the power of salvation. It's the Lord who has salvation. The salvation belongs to him and him alone. Your blessing be on your people. For how how good it is that God has not chosen to leave us in our sin. He's chosen to pursue us with his promises. He's chosen to be faithful and can only be faithful to those promises. We, we know this salvation even greater than David because we know that the Father sent his Son to die, to rise again, and now we have the Holy Spirit. One of the great questions we have to ask, is God able to save me? Over and over in, through Scripture, God proves he is able. Is God willing to save me? Over and over again, God proves he saves his people. It is important here we see this verse, this this psalm again, rather, end with a blessing. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of God. Blessed are those who take refuge in the king. Here we see another blessing. Salvation belongs to the Lord. His blessings be upon his people. Because he hears us, he protects us, he sustains us, And he saves us. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that in a world full of lies and a heart full of deception, we have your truth convince us of who you are as the one true powerful God we thank you for your word that 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 shows us how good you are and all you've done for us Lord Lord, help us in the midst of whatever trouble it is to seek to know how you will use that trouble for our good Lord, we praise you that you are not the author of evil, but you are sovereign over everything that happens. You're watchful over us. You lead us. You care for us. Lord, Lord, I pray we would know how to be courageous and rest in the midst of trouble to glorify you, to encourage one another, and to praise you for the great salvation you bring to us. Help us to grow in our trust that you are the God who saves. In Jesus, let me pray. Amen.